Hey everyone, welcome to the final episode of In the Garden of Geekdom. I'm Janice Hawkins. And I'm Deanna Chapman. And this is a show where we watched, with a D, because it's over, 12 episodes of Keep Your Hands Off, Azuken, and we watched movies to go alongside it. Deanna, how do you feel about the end, not just in general? Look, Janice, Mm -hmm. trying to do three podcasts at once Mm -hmm. while editing 50 others has not been my greatest idea. (laughs) Entirely possible it has not been my worst idea either, because at least I was done reading Stephen King books. Yeah, definitely not your worst idea. But now we can start a different podcast. No, No. just kidding. Just kidding. The number of podcast ideas I have had and just gone, well, can't do those. Mm hmm is so many that I didn't even bother writing most of them down so that I would purposefully forget them <laughs> and oh, never no. do them. <laughs> so the the last one standing is the heist movie podcast. I think that will be good. Can't wait for that. Can't do it. Don't have time. We'll find out maybe in the future. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Probably still won't have time. So what did we watch <laughs> this last time? We watched the Keep Your Hands Off Ace Aukin finale which is the Shibahama UFO Wars. And we watched Lou over the wall. I can't remember a single character's name other than Lou. That's why they're in uh, this spreadsheet that I've created for us. Yes. But I think that says a lot about what I have to say about the movie in a little bit. But the homework was to pay attention to background music, which to continue our discussion from last episode, at the beginning of Keep Your Hands Off Azaukin, we see them scrambling to fix their music not lining up problem. Yeah, they left us on a cliffhanger. They did, except I watched episode 12 immediately after episode 11, even though you specifically told me not to. Because you can't handle a cliffhanger? (laughs) I just, I needed to be done. Okay. I needed to put it in letterboxed. Don't ask me why. I just, I didn't want to get up and go do something else. So I was like, it's just going to keep playing. But I did rewatch it for you since you insisted. I don't think I needed to because most of this episode is just them watching the anime that they made. I think it's good to rewatch just to keep, just to remember or like look at what's similar between it and Lou since they are the same director. But yeah, yeah, we jumped back in where we left off. They got the music from the people and it was a completely different song than the (laughs) demo track they had animated everything to. I'm sure you've never experienced anything like that ever. Uh, No, because I don't put music to videos. Right, but you've never experienced getting an email two weeks ago about something work-related and just not reading it and being like, whoops, because that's like that's like a pretty normal week for me. I don't get a lot of emails about work, so... Oh, you're so lucky. So Asakusa makes a bunch of last-minute changes and kind of chops it up and gets it into a form that matches the music they have. Sacrificing the dance scene at the end of the show. Which is probably okay probably for the best. Probably fine. And then they they have 43 minutes or something <laughs> before they need to hit the deadline for the DVDs. And you have Kanamori just sawing her way through a door. It's amazing. Not terrifying at all. <laughs> yeah, that was so confusing. Yeah, I don't know why she didn't just knock. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. Like, maybe try that first. <laughs> it was so wild. But it worked. They got the DVDs done. They made it to the Comet A Festival. Yes, and they sold out of DVDs. And Janice, you would think this would be the episode that wouldn't attack me at all. 
because uh-huh. it's just them like putting their thing out and mm-hmm. doing much better than anything I've ever put out has done. <laughs> there was a point where Asakusa was like, I wasn't mentally ready for this. Oh, yeah. She hides under the chair. Yeah, I don't do that. But <laughs> there was another moment where she was like, there's still a lot of room for improvement. I was like, oh, no, uh-huh. don't do this to me. The life of a creator. We kind of gloss over How did they sell out? Because they weren't selling DVDs very quickly at first at the festival. No, but... Mizusaki's kind of like the face of this thing, which mm-hmm. they've used to their advantage on social media and so on and so forth, just promoting it. So <laughs> they were just sitting there with these bags over their heads. <laughs> and I don't remember exactly what they said, but then people were just like curious because mm-hmm. they were doing this thing that was different from what everyone else was doing. And then, They're like, why is the model trying to hide her identity? Yeah. And then they just flew out of the boxes just off the shelves immediately amazing kanamori great strategy we got to figure out who our face is wait what if you don't promote this podcast at all that's less work for me is fine janice no complaints so you're like the mizusaki and then just pretend like you're not on the podcast even though you touch everything to do with it and then people will be like oh why isn't diana spreading this one i don't think that many people pay attention to me but thank you for thinking that we'll have to get a famous person's blessing and then have them rescind it and then they'll be like why did they rescind it what'd they say anyway they go back <laughs> and they watch the anime doxicus's house and she's like falls asleep on that same couch that she had like watched future boy conan on when she was a little kid like the start of the anime was her turning on future boy conan and being like amazed at the world the anime could create and then here we are at the end of it and she falls asleep on that same couch like watching her own thing and that that really struck me in the heart just a little bit yeah it's a mood though finish a big project you want to go to sleep yeah. It's going to be me in about two hours. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have deserved it for sure. Hopefully when you wake up, you won't see like tanks and turrets and bug planes and everything that's happened to us. I normally don't. That's good. Keep it up. The way that the episode ends, she runs back to the club the next day so they can start working on something else. But as the like screen pans out, we see sailboats and we see UFOs and we see like everything that they've seen and imagined the whole show. And what a way to end it. Yeah. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about them playing the whole short film basically in the final episode? Like we're watching it as they're watching it. Oh, that's a good point. Cause like your first time seeing it is their first time seeing it too. Finished. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, honestly, I hadn't put any thought into that. That'll make me cry. <laughs> they, I guess okay, that makes me moving em- on. Emotional. Uh, no, uh, what, do, what do you think about it? I kind of got bored. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, well, with the new music, it's really slow. <laughs> well, it's just like, I have friends who will come on my other podcasts, and then they'll listen to their episodes when their episodes come out. Mm-hmm. And I would never in my life do that. <laughs> One, because I don't have time. And two, because I just spent hours working on it. So I don't want to listen through the whole thing again. And every time I do, I notice everything I did not take out of the podcast. Every editing error. 
it's not even that it's an error, but I just go, oh, I should have taken that out. Oh, I should have taken that out. And nobody cares that it's in there, except for me. I understand because of the process we're going through, which is for everyone else's edification, is that Deanna edits the podcast. I listen to the podcast and then I give notes and then Deanna has to edit it again because she's an angel. I probably should have just bounced these out, like lined them up and bounced them out and had you listen before I did the first edit. But I'm not that smart, so... Who knows? You are smart, but I would probably always be... Bleh about it but I understand what you mean because like listening to back to myself and then like thinking about oh I wish I hadn't said that I can't believe I didn't talk about this stuff like it's that struggle that's the worst part too like I will finish an episode and be like I didn't say this thing I wanted to say and I will have already hung up with the person on zoom I will have these detailed notes maybe one day we'll release a snapshot of the thing the preparation that I do for these so that people can know how crazy I am but like and then I will still forget to say things and it's like it's right there it's right in the notes yeah I do want to say that there was a scene in this where and you had even sent a picture of it to me because you said that it visually like hurt your brain or eyes oh my god I didn't even remember that from the first time I watched it and I think it's I just blacked it out from my memory (laughs) yeah uh, oh it was so much but Asakus is like talking about how people don't really get along. And that's why the original ending with the dance scene at the end didn't make sense because people have a lot of things dividing them and their interests can change. And all these words flood the screen. I wrote down some of them, like invasive species, mom's friends, landslides, infidelity, decay, internet trouble, cancel culture, death from overwork, cryptocurrency, poaching, cooking, and poaching, killing. Um... (laughs) Death from overwork, can't relate. <laughs> yeah. And they all like flood the screen and she like rides a boat on the words of like the opposition of everything that's like wrong with the world. <laughs> it was so much. And it, there were like bright colors, like there was I think like a bright green or purple or Oh yeah, like a neon purpley pink and like Yeah. I thought Promare assaulted my eyes. Mm-hmm. That might have been worse. Masaaki Yuasa loves to assault the eyes with colors, and I think I chose maybe the most, uh, or second most toned down color and shape movie for us to go over, because I didn't want to hurt you too bad, because I could have just just a mind game, and you would have hated it. Well, I don't know if I love this, but... This was the only one I did not write on Letterboxd because I couldn't figure out how I felt about it. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna see if I figure it out in the next fifteen minutes or so. But Janice, can you can you tell me about the background of Lou Over the Wall? Lou Over the Wall is the first movie that was produced by Science Star, the animation studio, but it was not the first movie released by them. Okay. And I'll get to that in a second. But Science Saru is the studio that is behind both Keep Your Hands Off Azokin and Lou Over the Wall. And some of Star Wars Visions. And a lot of other things. But it was founded by Ang Young Choi, who also produced Keep Your Hands Off Azokin, and Masaaki Yuasa, who directed both Keep Your Hands Off Azokin and Lou Over the Wall. But uh, the studio that they made together, uh, Saru is monkey in Japanese. So that's why at the beginning of, like, 
flew over the wall, you see that little animation of the monkey with the little feet that's going. Okay. It's like a tie-in. I think a lot about um, when Azokin makes a movie or like a short, they animate the Azokin logo to start walking in the same way that the science siren monkey is like walking. One of the first things they did, and Yuasa had directed, was this TV show called The Tatami Galaxy. And the writer of that original piece of media also had a piece of media called Night is Short, Walk on Girl. And you also wanted to make a movie off of that, but the timing wasn't right. Something came in the way. So instead, they started working on this original piece, Lou Over the Wall, written both by Yuasa and by Reiko Yoshida. Reiko Yoshida being the screenwriter of Liz and the Bluebird also, which is a movie we watched. While they were in post-production on Lou, they got the green light to do Night of Short Walk on Girl. And so they kind of overlapped both movies and then decided that strategically it would be better for the studio's first movie to be this thing that already had media associated with it. So they ended up, even though it was second, releasing Night of Short Walk on Girl first in 2017. And then Lou Over the Wall came out later in 2017. So it's his first movie direction under Science Saru, but it's also his second movie under Science Saru at the same time, mm-hmm. just from a out-there standpoint. So the movie was edited by Ayako Tan, and the original music for it was done by Takasugu Muramatsu. There are a couple of songs in this that are played over and over again. The main one that's in it is a song called Ballad of the Singer by a musician named... Kazuyoshi Saito, and uh, it's like a 70s song that was really popular. I guess that's why like his dad did a cover of it for his mom, and that's why they play it over and over throughout the movie, but that's a little thing. Um, and then connecting everything to Lupin as I am wont to do when reading the Wikipedia page about Yuasa, it says that a crucial influence that led him to work in the industry was Hayao Miyazaki's landmark feature debut film, Lupin the Third: The Castle of Cagliostro. So if it weren't for Lupin, we wouldn't have any of this. Once again, I'm just gesturing wildly. I just love Lupin. That is not about a werewolf. <laughs> Never let you live that down. I had a perfectly valid reason for thinking that. I know, you do, you do. So... Here's the thing that is interesting to me for you is that I have seen a movie by Miyazaki called Ponyo before. Okay. And you have not. Correct. So Yuasa didn't realize as he was making this movie that it was essentially Ponyo until he was like near the end of production and he was like, wait, is this Ponyo? (laughs) So... If you ever want to have a lot of fun, uh, you should watch this movie called Ponyo that is way more interesting about a little boy who meets a little merfish girl. Uh, and it is wow has less music and is cuter. Are you sure I should watch it then? I don't know if I can handle cuter. It's cuter and it's less convoluted and boring. Because <laughs> here's the thing. This movie is too long. It's way too long. It's like 30 minutes too long. I feel like you can tell a directorial debut when movie too long. You can also tell a director has too much power when a movie too long. There's like a short spot between second movie and most famous movie where they do a good job of keeping a, a tight 90, but this movie's too long. And there's it's not worth it. Yeah. Every time I watch 
in particular, an animated movie that is too long. I just think about DC's animated movies, Mm -hmm. because most people will talk about The Dark Knight, whatever, now The Batman, all the Batman movies, basically all the live action ones. But they have a whole run of animated movies. There's like 30 or 40 animated movies, and they will literally make them an hour and 15 minutes. And that is why I have seen so many of them, because they just take comic book storylines and mostly keep them the same with The Killing Joke being a big exception, and I think The Long Halloween recently. But like, just make it an hour and 15 minutes. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Movies, especially animated movies, should be shorter. Especially this animated movie should be shorter. And like, the thing is, I think this movie would be so much better if, like you said, they cut out 30 minutes because... Because it was like two hours. Your mind starts to wander too much in scenes they sit in too long. The things that they do don't really fill that extra time. Like, you're not learning anything new. You're just kind of like, okay, I guess. Like, I would love an extended dance scene if it meant that we could take out 20 minutes of just like, I don't know. Like, how long did we have to watch the dad just stand there and wait for the shade? So that he could walk into the building. They sped that up to you. Or just like him like one tooth biting all the fish and them filling up the truck. We didn't need to see the whole filling up of the truck. Yeah. Or even just some scenes in general could have been scrapped. So like the ending sequence where they're saving the town from the flood takes a long time. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. We're going to call them mermaids or merfolk. The actual like Japanese folklore demon thing is called a ningyo. Okay. And that's the word that they use throughout the whole movie, but we're just going to say mermaid or merfolk. It's fine. That's easier. Yeah, I'm not going to give you a new word to learn. So this town has legends of mermaids and like there's a grandma whose boyfriend got stolen away when she was younger. There's a grandpa who's like mom got kidnapped from by or like eaten by mermaids allegedly when he was younger, but like people haven't seen them in years. And the town once caught a mermaid, let it burn in the sun, and then the whole place flooded. And that's why there's this big shadow stone wall that protects the town. And it's cursed. You can't hurt the mermaids. Bad things will happen. So that's like the background lore going into this Ponyo Light movie. I just thought about this. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, parts of this reminded me of Spongebob. We've got a reverse Sandy Cheeks situation. What? What do you mean? Well, just like the way some of the characters were designed. I don't know. Like the big shark guy. Uh, The big shark guy I love. Papa? Yeah. I don't know. Just something about like that that cursed area Mm -hmm. and the the shadow zone or whatever they were calling it. The bikini bottom and the goo lagoon. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's this episode of SpongeBob. Rock bottom. Yes. It just kind of reminded me of that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All of a sudden, it didn't remind me of this when I was watching it. Can you explain that to the listeners at home in case they haven't seen this episode of Spongebob? Well, I don't know how well I am going to be able to explain it because I haven't seen this- The worse, the better. Episode of Spongebob in 10, 15 years? How long has Spongebob been on, Janice? How old are we? We're 54. Don't answer that. (laughs) We're 54 years old, Tiana. Yes. Okay. So there's this episode of Spongebob where they like get stuck and it's just like the darkest part of Bikini Bottom. He rides the bus too long. It takes him to the Terror Dome. 
It's uh, the part of the ocean where all of the sea creatures are weird, because that's what the bottom of the ocean's like. Yes. How do you remember so much of this? Because I love this episode. (laughs) Okay. So I'm not weird for remembering this, but this was season one. This aired so long ago, Janice. I'm not going to say the date. That's illegal. (laughs) We can't do that. I just felt so old. Mm-hmm. We're 54, so do the math. This episode came out then. No. But it's just like so dark and like weird and mysterious. And I feel like that's how everyone feels about like the mermaid area. Yeah. It doesn't help too that the dad can't speak English. So whenever like when Kai finally meets the dad, the dad is just like making incoherent sounds. Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay. Exactly. Yeah. I'm on board with this. So... We have this boy who has no friends. His name is Kai. But are the other two friends with him at the beginning, or do they just happen to walk up to him? They just happen to walk up to him. They saw his YouTube video. They recognized him. Okay. And they were like, hey, Merman, what's up? Want to be in our band? Such a weird interaction. Yeah. Like, they don't know if he can play any instruments at all. Yeah, but you're like, you know, when you're like, what are they, 13 in don't know how to do anything and you're like sure i like play instruments bad want to be in my band this is like this is ongaku 2 yeah okay yeah the sequel to ongaku except they actually know how to play instruments right and he just has music equipment yeah because apparently so he's been recording stuff on like his own little computer with a microphone just doing like the what are they called the things that djs have that they record things and then play them back, and then you can layer the sounds. You're the one in the music industry! (laughs) Do you know the answer? One of these? Is it just an interface or like a Moog or what is this? What is the word for this? You have one in your hand! (laughs) Well, this particular one is an MPK Mini, but that's not what they're all called. (laughs) This is a keyboard. Okay, but he's got like one of those little thingies. And so he's playing with that himself. But then he has like a ukulele in his house that used to belong to his grandpa back when his grandpa played music and other stuff in his house because his dad apparently also was a musician at one point. Yeah, it's like all of this information is just suddenly relevant. So then he has to learn it all at once. And, you know, I I just showed Janice a keyboard thing that I have no idea what the name of it is. We don't know the word for this thing. <laughs> is it a sampler? Is that something? That is a thing. This, in particular, is a MIDI keyboard. Okay. I think that he has a sampler, because I don't know that his has keys. It's kind of the same thing, because, like, mine has the pads on it as well, but his is, like, a mixer with the sound pads. Yeah. Anyway, so he's got one of those things. He's making his little internet DJ SoundCloud rapper music, and (laughs) some kids are like, you should join our band. It's literally just a DJ mixer. I feel like the biggest dummy in the world right now i was so close anyway (laughs) this is great audio so kai has a youtube channel he makes music in secret because he doesn't want to get caught because his grandpa hates music because his grandpa got his mom eaten by a mermaid grandma got run over by a reindeer me too so he's not allowed to play music he ends up joining the band because i guess the whole time he's like super into the idea of mermaids from the get-go like his name is merman on his youtube channel And he's, like, reading a book about a mermaid before he ever interacts with Lou. So he's got, like, some sort of fetish or something going on in the background. 
Dana just gave me a look like, why would you say that? I don't know how old Lou is supposed to be. I know they're supposed to be like 13 or 14. I don't really love... Lou is so much smaller. I mean, that happens. Sometimes some people are just small for their age. That Sometimes people are just small, but she also has like a childlike understanding of everything on account of not being from the land. Yeah, I didn't love that. And I think that whole like infatuation phase kind of like turned me off of the movie very quickly. It makes it weird. He's walking her around at one point. I have a question about Mm -hmm. this later. But he's walking around like holding her hand like she's his little sister. Yeah, and she'll get scared and she'll be like, oh, no, she'll hide and he'll be like, I've got you, kiddo. And then it just like advances into this whole thing and I'm just like, this is strange. Yeah. What's your question? Okay, so... At some point in the movie, we see that she basically gets legs when music is being played. Like, her fin turns into legs. Yeah. Same with her dad, too. But when they're walking around at night... He has his stereo playing a song really quietly. Okay. I looked for that, too. Same thing when his da- when her dad comes to town. He's carrying a speaker on his back that's playing music quietly so that he can have legs. Okay. That was my question. Because I couldn't hear anything. Yeah. I looked for that this time because I didn't understand it either. Okay. And so they are carrying that little, like, stereo around and (laughs) listening to songs on it. He's just got the music turned down, so it's just a little in the background. So they're quietly pretending to be John Cusack. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's never holding it up at her at at any point, but he is. Well, no, because she's shorter than him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She... Teaches him how to swim. He teaches her about the human world. Oh, his band discovered mermaid, basically. And then she hangs out with them. She reveals that biting things turns them into merfolk things. So I had two questions for you, Deanna. One, what do you think of mer dogs? When this was first happening, (laughs) I was very confused because they're at a rescue or a shelter. (laughs) And I was just like, is she going to play with the dogs? Like, I didn't understand what was happening. And then she just took them all. And I was like, oh, yeah, I feel that. Save the dogs. <laughs> and then she starts biting them. Rescue dogs or something else. But then, like, one of the mer dogs found its owner later. Yeah. And it's like, how did that owner not think to check the shelter that entire time he said like i didn't mean to abandon you but he did get a new dog and so it's like did you just not like your dog i don't know guy i don't know that is one of the scenes that could be cut and the movie would be exactly the same and fine yeah because it was a whole thing and then the dog was like dragging him and it was a whole thing okay mer dogs are you a fan or not a fan they're fine i like dogs okay what about mer fish the fish they get turned into mermaids and squids and stuff i was like this is this is a bit much because that didn't really serve a purpose they're already water dwellers yeah yeah it makes no sense <laughs> okay so they have a concert and lou is hiding in the cooler and eventually she sees like the because it's at the lantern festival these lanterns go up and she's like wow that's so cool i want to be where the people are so she starts singing and when she sings she like has control of other people's bodies like a siren and so the band starts playing music and they can't stop playing music as she's doing it and then everyone else starts dancing so the whole beach dancing along with her siren song and they're having so much fun 
and then they get kind of caught and everyone knows the mermaids are real now. Yuho, her grandpa, is really into mermaids and he revitalizes <laughs> his merfolk island Disneyland place. So bizarre. They get Lou to perform there, but it's like kind of taking advantage of Lou, but kind of not because she does want to like perform for people, but also the kids band has like professional musicians jump in and stuff. So it's weird. So Yuho gets mad and she fakes running or she runs away, but then people think that a Lou ate her. And that's <laughs> at like the 50 minute mark. That's where the, the plot, the drama starts. Yeah. It took a long time to get there, but that seemed to be resolved way more quickly because she just comes back. Yeah, she, like, realizes that she's causing problems and she comes back. But and then they have to deal with the curse. It triggers the curse, yeah, because her dad gets burnt trying to protect Lou when he didn't have to, it turns out. Right. And there was so much going on here. the last, like, 30 minutes of the movie as merfolk and human alike are protecting each other and trying to help each other from the curse and the flooding it was so much although i do love them just leaving the guys to like get back on their own just like dropping them off the ship it was great yeah i like the mer people a lot and then like you have your reunion moments of like granny octopus gets to meet her boyfriend again and he turns her into a billion-year-old uh, vampire mermaid. They're kind of like vampires, though. They are. And I kind of wish they would have leaned into the stuff with Kai and his dad more instead of giving us all of that unnecessary stuff because it felt like there was a story there and they just kind of left it. Yeah, it seems like what they did cut must have been that stuff because you have those moments where, like, Yuko... Not Yuko... Yuho's grandpa was telling Teru, like, hey, you should talk to your son about, like, what it is you want and what it is he wants. And you're like, this is the first time this is coming up in the movie. What's this about? (laughs) Yeah. And then I think it was at the very end, maybe, he was just like, I'm going to go see mom. Yeah. He's like, I'm finally going to do it. I'm finally going to, like, write mom a letter back. And, like, because he has that huge box of letters she's written that he's never even read. You're like, there's so much happening with this family that we're not talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I want to watch that movie, actually. It would probably be more interesting and less weird. Mm -hmm. It could have mermaids in it, and that would still be fine. But less on all this cursed stuff and dogs and merfish (laughs) and human mermaid relationships that are questionable (laughs) yeah and then in the end we get another dance scene at the end of the movie and then it cuts and all the merfolk are gone forever bye bye yeah so when i started watching this i texted you i was like are you making me watch a musical (laughs) yeah because the way that netflix like categorized it Mm -hmm. it was like anime music and musical and i was like i don't know how i feel about this Because last time I watched a musical, it kind of destroyed me. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't destroy you like I did recently, too. What did you do? I destroyed you with Liz and the Bluebird, which was another music-based thing. Very different reasons. (laughs) Very different reasons, but yeah. um, Tick, tick, boom, wrecked you. This is not a musical. Oh, my God. I still think about that movie. (laughs) Frequently. Too often for my liking. Anyway. The, the theme about this movie that I think is really interesting, knowing what we know now, like Keep Your Hands Off Azokin came out three years later, right? 
is in episode 11, Asakusa says that, like, thing about, like, what even is an enemy? And I feel like that was basically the central plot of this movie. Yeah. So all of the things where the merfolk have these, like, legends where they're doing stuff remind me of the Kappas in Keep Your Hands Off Azokin. And uh, the fact that Lou over the wall ends with that dance scene where everybody's dancing and then keep your hands off Aizaukin was going to and then they purposefully don't do it because they were like, this would never happen in real life. Like, no one would just start dancing. You would still have problems. I felt like that was like character growth on Yulasa's part or like the storytelling part or like them kind of making fun of themselves for Lou over the wall. In lieu of a bit this week, I don't have a good bit, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about Studio Saru and Yuasa. Okay. So I played a game where I tried to watch every Yuasa movie before we got to this point so that I could pick the right movie to go with our final episode. And I decided that of the three movies that were out at the time, there's a movie that came out like in the pandemic that's only partially him called Japan Sinks. And there's a movie that's coming out in August called Inu-O that I'm, like, so stoked to see. But prior to that, there are three movies. And I think that one of them can go with each of the Keep Your Hands Off Azokin girls. So in my opinion, Lou Over the Wall is Asakusa's movie. Okay. Given just her how she directed everything and what happens in their short at the end. Ride Your Wave is also on that like musical not musical border of a movie okay it'll rip your heart out i almost made you watch it but then i decided that i couldn't do that to myself (laughs) because it broke me as a person it's about a couple and one of them dies and the other person is grieving as they like remember the relationship trying to like heal and keep going with life ride wave is wonderful And there's so many moments that are just spent dwelling on how people move, like pouring coffee in one of those pour over coffee makers and things where I'm like, this is a Mizusaki movie. Like of the three girls, Mizusaki made this movie. And then Night is Short Walk on Girl is the Kanamori movie because it's flashy and it's weird and it grabs your attention. And honestly, that's all it needs to be hers. So If you ever want to watch more movies by this guy, I highly recommend the other two movies because they're very good. And then he made um, this TV show Devilman Crybaby that I'm obsessed with. Okay. That is weird as fuck, but, (laughs) and like, and like disturbing, but I love it. Oh, and he made a movie Mind Game too, but Mind Game didn't really feel like it vibed with any of the girls. So I'm not putting it on this list, but that director's cool. Comparing the two... Pieces of media. Considering that most of the final episode was them watching their own anime, I feel like this one was a little harder to do comparisons with because it's like you mostly compared the anime itself to Lou. Yeah. Even though that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things because it's just them watching their thing they made and then it ends pretty much. Yeah, for sure. The interesting thing about it, and the reason why I like I pulled in another science Saru thing was just for that purpose, because like there's not an aspect of animation that we learned at this point. We just learned like what 
this director what the studio likes to do. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, the most I can do, because we've already learned everything, is like, how can I pull something that they've made to just talk about? Like, they've both got the water city and they've both yeah. got their legends and stuff. And like, so you can see like where Azokin pulls things that Lou used. Yeah, like the, the flooding stuff. Yeah. From the other episode felt more relatable in this instance. <laughs> yeah. Over the whole, like his body of work, there's this like message that comes up over and over again about like how people need to come together and overcome things. And there's like a lot of things that divide us as people from our backgrounds or our upbringing or our just opinions in general. And like overcoming those things is what brings the world together. And I feel like... So doing everything that America is not. <laughs> yeah. Um, we should put for context that today is July 1st and we've had the weirdest <laughs> Supreme Court week ever. And by weirdest, I mean worst. Has it only been a week? It's, it's literally only been a week. It's been a very bad week for human rights. Go us. <laughs> Go us. The title card in the animation in Lou reminds me of Easy Breezy, the, the intro song. Yeah, it's fun so much fun did you notice that they had to establish what time of the year it was at one point and they played cicada sounds you know i probably just thought there was like noises happening here because we get those here ah <laughs> uh, just like japan they're so loud they are so loud but remember we learned that in one of the we did. episodes yeah but it's entirely possible that sometimes i just hear bug noises and i think they're just like here outside because i i was watching this stuff in the basement mostly. Oh, so you can really hear it. So, yeah, because we have, like, window wells. Mm -hmm. So... So you're ground level to the screaming. Kinda, yeah. I think there are lots of things that we, like, learned throughout the show that you see in this, because you'll see, yeah. like, the way they will, when they zoom out, like, mm -hmm. minimize, they'll just use, like, little dots for eyes and faces far away versus they'll hyper-focus up close and, like... The close-ups, too, like, the way they animate Lou's face is very similar to, like, what they do with, not necessarily Kanamori, but the other two, like, when they get excited about something. Oh, yeah. There's the scene where the Papa mermaid is on fire, and he's burning down the wall, and Yuho's dad is, like, trying to run away, and his body is so fluid and gross. His, like, his, like limbs are moving in unnatural ways, and his, like, flesh is melting as he tries to get out, and I thought that was neat. <laughs> it was something. But yeah. This was the only movie I didn't rate. How do you feel about it? Did you, is it is it two stars? Is it five stars? It's not five stars. It's, is it one stars? It's not that it was bad. It's just not a movie for me. Yeah. I make that, that's usually a two or a 2.5, personally. It's like, yeah, you made a movie. But see, here's the thing. Sometimes there are movies that are made specifically for me that are still two stars. Yeah, because they're not quality. Because <laughs> they're maximum overdrive. Mm -hmm. It's the difference between liking a movie and a movie being good. And I feel like a lot of times people don't have that distinguishing. I love two-star movies. I did not love this two-star movie. This is good animation. Mm -hmm. It's not great storytelling. Yeah. So then that leaves me somewhere in between. It's just a, it's just a, it's a two or a two and a half. It was fine. But I don't think this was my... Well, maybe this was my least favorite. Yeah, so let's get to that. We have watched 12 things. 13 if you count. Izuken. 
What was your favorite? What was your least favorite? Okay, so I was looking at my letterbox while we were doing this because you sprung this on me right before we started. Akira is the highest rated. I gave that five stars, Mm -hmm. which probably doesn't surprise you because it's me. No, I wish that I hadn't led with the one you would like the most. You didn't. We did Nausicaa first. Yeah, but still, episode two is a long way to go for not liking anything as much. But a lot of the stuff I gave four stars to. That's true. Which is good. That's great. Mm -hmm. I think I gave at least half of the stuff four stars or higher in Akira's case. Mm -hmm. But that scene with like the giant bear and it was just, it was so good. (laughs) It was good. And it was like that good horror that you love. Yeah. You should have just had me watch more of that. I don't know much horror is the thing. I'm too baby. Wolf children. Janice, what were you thinking? Wolf children was the least favorite. Just because you hate children that much? Uh, no, I, I I, think it was this. I think Pat Labor was the most boring for me. Interesting. Okay. So least favorite? Probably Labor. Even though I don't think I would rate this a three, which I gave a three to Pat Labor and Wolf Children. Least favorite is not the same as worst. Yeah, I think I just got bored with Pat Labor. I think I remember... That one the least out of everything? It's the most to unpack also, I think. Just from a standpoint of there are a lot of concepts. There's a lot of like biblical references and stuff going on where you need to. Since watching that, I've rewatched the second one and I've I've watched for the first time the movie Angel's Egg. You would hate Angel's Egg by the same director. It is like an avant-garde art thing that the whole time you're like, so what was this? So I think that makes sense as... Least fave. Yeah, I do have to say I really liked Great Pretender too, but because it's not a movie, I can't really like compare it because everything else was a movie. And obviously, I loved Azalkin, even though it attacked me for six hours. Uh huh. Uh huh. Makes sense. I like that. I like that. I like that your favorite and your least favorite are completely different than anything I've mentioned because I think my favorite ends up being Ongaku, which is a movie. That I just randomly watched. Okay. And then loved super hard. (laughs) It's just so weird and I love it and it's quirky and it's funny in a way that's really dry. I'm a big fan. I think it's why a lot of the shows that are like in that style of animation don't do anything for me. I don't like any shows like that other than maybe like King of the Hill, but like I've never liked a Beavis and Butthead or a Ren and Stimpy. Honestly, I don't know why Ngaku does it for me. But I think my least favorite is Perfect Blue. Okay. I'm glad that Satoshi Kung got better with time, but I really don't like Perfect Blue. I like the bloody movies. (laughs) I know. I know. This is why we're a good balance. (laughs) Okay. So now that you're an expert in anime. Oh, no. What do you think of the whole form? Just very broadly in general. (laughs) That, That was like the most vague question. Yeah. Sorry. But you went from like zero to hero. Like... You, now that you've undergone your like crash course in here's a bunch of animes from different times and different styles, do you think that it's something that you will go on to like check out more of, or are you going to abandon the genre? I mean, I'll probably finish watching the stuff that I already had in my list. Because I did have stuff that I wanted to watch before we did this podcast. Mm-hmm. Because I had seen Spirited Way, so I knew I liked that animation style. Because I had already seen it. What's on the list? So what What can we watch? So m- 
most of the stuff that's in my list is like the Ghibli stuff that's left on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. So I think Ponyo's in there. I know Totoro is. Totoro. Yep, yeah, that one. As you can see, I can pronounce all of these. Mm-hmm. It's phonetic. It's phonetic alphabet. It's very difficult. I... I'm sorry. <laughs> I have Howl's Moving Castle. I have Kiki's in my list. And... Becky, I'll love that for you. I don't think I have anything else from Ghibli in my list, but there's like... I think they have Castle in the Sky in there as well, and... Yeah, you should watch that. Princess Mononoke you might like. There's blood in it. I might have that one saved too, but I'd have to look because... I don't know if you know this, Janice. But I do this thing where I put 8 million things in my watch list on streaming uh-huh. services, and I take 8 million years to get to them. It's kind of like when our friends, Becky and Richard, bought me a book for my birthday, mm-hmm. which was now like seven months ago. And I was like, hopefully I'll get to it within the next year, or three, or five. <laughs> or five, yeah. It'll happen one day. Eventually. You know what I would really like talking about your Miyazaki anime list what i would really enjoy if you're willing is that i think it would be fun if we watched castle of cagliostro together because it's a heist movie it's miyazaki are you sure it's not a werewolf movie i'm sure it's not a werewolf movie are you sure are you sure it's not a dracula one uh this one does not have dracula in it that's unfortunate yeah lupin is kind of like scooby-doo where there's sometimes monsters but not this time Okay. You see, you should have pitched it to me like that. Yeah, I should have. I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah I was a fool. Heist movie, Jap- Japanese Scooby-Doo. Yeah, that was all you had to do this entire time. <laughs> Tragically, there's no Harlem Globetrotters episode that I know of, but... It's okay. They, they have the universal monsters in Scooby-Doo. I'll live. Mm-hmm. It's fine. The ghoul school is great. Ghoul school's so good. The hex girls are so good. It's so good. Anyway, Deanna loves Scooby-Doo. <laughs> oh, no, Janice. Now I'm going to start a Scooby-Doo podcast. Don't. Okay, so, well, I mean, you are, okay, so this is, we're putting a bow on it. This is our podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Deanna will have eight more podcasts. <laughs> one one request. Mm-hmm. If I watch that with you, can I make you watch a Junji Ito thing? Yeah, absolutely. How are we going to end this podcast for the last time ever? I didn't regret it. You didn't regret it. That makes me so happy. I hope that our listeners also didn't regret it. Thank you so much for going on this experience with me. Please don't ask me to do it again. (laughs) In the Garden of Geekdom is a spinoff of Welcome to Geekdom by our host, Deanna Chapman. Check out her YouTube channel for more opinions on general geekery. Our intro and outro music is by Associations. Do yourself a favor and go to associations.bandcamp.com to listen to more of their stuff. For a multimedia experience with links and images, follow us on Twitter at geek underscore guidance. 